You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. You know, it's, it's great to always be in, um, come to Roswell. You know, I have such great, uh, great history here across the street. We saw so many miracles take place and so many things uh, happen. Um, you know, it was on a, was on a uh, Sunday night service, and um, uh, I looked at uh, Pastor Steve and uh, Cynthia, uh, and, you know, the thought just came into my mind uh, that uh, you're going to a place surrounded by mountains. I mean, it's not the thing you tell a person on a Sunday night uh, who's, uh, the congregation thinks they're staying, Right? <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, it was uh, very interesting that uh, I got a call one day, uh, and it was uh, Pastor Steve telling me, he said, well, I'm in a place surrounded by mountains, and it was Albuquerque. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. The Lord took uh, him there to bring uh, Pastor uh, Troy and uh, Julie here, and so you could see the fruits of their labor. Oh, my gosh to be able to watch the miracle power of God uh, to see what's happened from that little building uh, over there to what's happened here and the impact that you have all made in this community. Just amazing to me. So uh, I want to applaud you uh, for what you've done. God has given you wonderful leadership and uh, you know when you want to see God move, guess what? He does. You know, I come from a Jewish background. I don't know how many of you know what all that's about, but uh, uh, it's steeped in religion. You know, it's just one of those things that have been around for uh, thousands of years since the time, uh, you know, of the 12 tribes. And, you know, it's just amazing to me. It's the only ancient culture that's uh, survived till today, the Jewish people. God's time clock. Uh, you know, you think about why did Jesus come to the Jew first? Why was he born? Why was Jesus born into the lineage uh, of David? Why did all these things uh, happen? And why has the uh, Jewish people survived even through Holocaust and persecution in every country? It's amazing the persecutions, how the enemy has tried to take, uh, tried to take. Uh, the Jewish people out before Jesus came and trying to take the Jewish people out before he comes back again. And so uh, just an amazing, amazing story if you follow uh, the history and how Israel is a country today and how just, uh, you know, a few years ago the, it was acknowledged by the United States that Jerusalem would be the capital after 2,000 years. So, you know, it's just a, a amazing, the time clock and the prophetic time clock that God has. So we're living in a very, very strategic time. And uh, I was born and raised in, in that culture, uh, went through the rites of the firstborn, just like Jesus did. Uh, he was uh, taken into the temple, and for a few pieces of silver, they take the firstborn and uh, they dedicate him to the Lord. Uh, he was bar mitzvahed. Uh, he there, he opened the scrolls. He, saw, he read from uh, the book of Isaiah. 
Um, I mean, it was just amazing. I went through that same culture uh, and never thought that I would ever be anything other than, uh, you know, a Jewish guy, uh, you know, marry a Jewish girl, and somehow, um, you know, my mother had plans for me to be a medical doctor. That was it. Uh, uh, Jewish guy, Jewish girl, medical doctor. That was it. Those were the rules. So uh, uh, I uh, am still a Jewish guy, uh, married a Gentile girl, uh, and became a PhD. So I don't know. Uh, so I <laughs> hope my mom isn't too disappointed, right? Uh, she's with the Lord, thank God. My uh, Jewish mother became a groupie uh, as I went out and started to preach. Uh, you know, in the, uh, in the audience was my Jewish mom. I never forget when my Jewish mother, um, uh, the power of God came on her and she fell out under the power on the floor. You could have not gotten my Jewish mother on the floor for anybody. I knew it was God. There was no way. Uh, you know, she would have wanted to clean the floor and then lay on it, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, uh, you know, how does a Jewish guy get saved? I mean, I had no desire uh, to really uh, be a Christian, no desire to be uh, anything other than Jewish. Uh, I had no desire. It just takes uh, uh, a good-looking girl with nice legs. That'll do it, uh, you know. Uh-oh. <laughs> And so I, I went to a service uh, I shared in the first service, and um, uh, I walked out of the service. It was a Pentecostal church. Uh, I, I didn't understand anything. I walked out of the service. I thought they were just uh, loony. It was a loony bin, you know, crazy. Uh, and I got up, walked out, and I said, you know what? There is no way uh, I could ever be a part of anything like this. And a guy came out, and he wanted to pray for me. And I thought, oh, you know, what, what am I going to what am I going to say? No, you can't pray. I mean, I'm on their turf. So I said, go ahead and pray. I figured out how long could he pray. Well, <laughs> well that was a mistake here, you know, because he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. But the thing was that in the middle of that prayer, when he was just almost done, he started to speak to me in Hebrew. And there's two dialects in Hebrew. There's the Ashkenazic dialect from Eastern Europe. And there's this Sephardic dialect that was from northern Africa up into Spain and uh, that. Uh, and so is, the difference is, like for the name of God, uh, it's the difference between Adonai, which is the eastern dialect, the Ashkenazic, and Adonai, which is the Sephardic dialect. So he's speaking uh, in the Ashkenazic dialect and he's praying a prayer that I had learned for Bar Mitzvah called the Amida. And he's praying a line over and over and over again, which was a praise to God. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's Jewish. What's the chances of another Jew being in a place like this? It's got to be a bazillion to one. This is crazy. And so I said to him, I said, oh, you're Jewish. He goes, I'm not Jewish. I said, you're not Jewish? I said, well, how do you know, I, how do you know I'm Jewish? He said, I don't know who you are. And I said, well, where'd you learn Hebrew? He goes, that was Hebrew? <laughs> I said, yeah, you were just speaking Hebrew. You were speaking a prayer called the Amid. He goes, that was Hebrew? I said, yes, you were just talking Hebrew. He went, that was Hebrew? <laughs> he was more impressed over the fact that he was speaking in tongues uh, over me, and it was Hebrew 
then he could care less about me. <laughs> and so, but I knew that uh, I'm thinking, what's the chances of this Gentile speaking Hebrew and he's speaking a prayer that I knew? I said, I have just walked in to the supernatural. This is supernatural. And at that point, when you reach, the, reach out and you grab onto the supernatural for the first time, there's some things that happen. You're either afraid, trying to figure it out. I said, you know what? I, I need to know whether this is real. And at that point, I tried to make a deal with God because I thought he was going to kill me. I said, you know, he's killing my dad. Uh, you know, my father's dying and God's killing my dad. God's probably going to kill me. It's Eastern fatalism. And that's what, the, you know, it's like the will of God, all this thing. If it's bad, it's the will of God, it, whatever. And so um, I finally had to get through that, and I said, you know what? If it's true, this is true, I need to know about it. Well, that was the beginning of a journey. That's when Jesus came into my life, and he started to rock my world, let me tell you. He started to turn things upside down. And at that point, I, uh, from then on, I never believed God was trying to kill me or kill my dad or kill, you know, he was, he was about life and all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so uh, I saw there was an enemy that was trying to take me out and take out uh, my father. But you know what? God turned that all, all around. I was sharing uh, the other uh, morning here that, um, you know, very few times have I ever heard uh, a voice and thought it was God. And my father came to hear me speak years, uh, it was uh, years before that he found out he had cancer, he had Hodgkin's disease in the fourth stage. It was on the government research program, and so they didn't know really what to do. Um, and uh, he was a big guy, and you know, I saw him losing weight and all the things that were going on. And uh, so I was asked to speak, uh, and it was July 4th of 1976. And um, uh, I was asked to speak at a conference, and it was at Penn State University, Fieldhouse packed out. And as I was up there speaking, um, and I was just thinking, oh my gosh, it's gonna be a service, what do I do with all these people? All that. A voice came from like back here and said, go down, lay hands upon your father, I'm gonna heal him tonight. And I'm thinking, oh, that's pretty, what do you mean, go down, lay hands upon my father? You know, it's kind of like disruptive there. And it came again, and then it came again. And at the end of the service, I walked down, and I uh, laid hands upon my father, and I said, Dad, I said, God wants to heal you tonight. And my father closed his eyes, and uh, there were people falling out under the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere. Um, in fact, one fell out, and my father caught him. He thought, oh, I saved them, I saved them, you know. Uh, <laughs> But he went to the Cleveland Clinic. That was on a Saturday night. My mother called on a uh, Monday morning. And, of course, it was not uh, the time of cell phones uh, like we have today. It was on a hard line. And she was crying and weeping and just hysterical on the phone. And I thought, oh, my gosh, my father must have died. And uh, she said, they can't find a trace of Hodgkin's disease in his body. Because the name of Jesus is above every name that is named. Cancer is a name. The name of Jesus is above that name. Amen. So there are many, many miracles. Uh, our journey has truly been filled with uh, miracles. I can't tell you that everything has worked okay, believe me. Uh, God, uh, he stretches you in so many different ways as you go through the circumstances of life. And he's, he's stretched us. 
Uh, he's taught us. He's brought us into uh, different places where we learn uh, a little bit more about how the things of, of God work. I love the Old Testament. Being Jewish, being raised Jewish, the stories are outstanding to me. They're just amazing. And one of the stories that uh, has always caught my uh, attention uh, has been things that have words, the power of words. Uh, it's, it's always caught my attention. And just like the scripture says, the power of life and death, where? Is in the tongue. You know, in the New Testament, uh, just uh, uh, James says, it's like a rudder, you know, it can turn a whole ship one way or the other. So words are powerful. And in Youngstown, Ohio, we moved to Ohio uh, 10 years ago, and uh, the church that we attend is on a, a plot of ground where there used to be a drive-in theater. And at this drive-in theater, a fellow named Anton LaVey was going to conduct a satanic mass. Anton LaVey was the first high priest of the Church of Satan in the United States. He wrote part of the Satanic Bible. He, uh, he was an actor. Um, he starred in Rosemary's Baby uh, as the devil. Um, you know, perfect, uh, just a perfect character for it. He looked like the devil. And um, the county said, no, you're not going to do a Satanic Mass. We're not going to allow you to do it. And so he became so angry that from that property, he cursed Youngstown, Ohio. He cursed it with poverty. He cursed it with addiction. He cursed it with, with uh, uh, problems with the next generation, with children. He levied these curses, the power of words that came out. And I believe that the supernatural grabbed a hold of it. Because five years later, the steel industry in Youngstown shut down. There were articles, we pulled them up. 5,000 people lost their jobs in a day. For another 5,000 people as these mills shut down. And Youngstown today still operates in poverty, in addiction, in crime. Our church is on that property. And we have broken curses over and over and over again. And so we see things that have happened. You have to take your stand against the wiles of the enemy against the things that uh, would rise up and try to uh, acknowledge themselves against the knowledge of God. So here's where we were. So here goes this curse. And I believe that as I thought about this, there have been curses in the scriptures that have taken on a life of their own. And this curse of poverty has come, uh, it, it's, it's really been rampant in so many people, in so many places, but I don't want to see it rampant in the church. I don't want to see it rampant amongst God's people. How many of us could use a few more bucks? Well, I have some good news for you. I came today to help you with big bucks. I tried to put it in the offering bucket, but it wouldn't fit. <laughs> anyway, we struggled at a time in our life with, with some poverty, with some things. I never thought, I mean, I was raised in a fairly affluent family, 
and I never thought that I would have uh, an issue, you know, I became a tither, and um, here uh, I'm a tither, and a business I had started to uh, just crank down. It was during the gas shortages. How many of you remember the long lines at the gas pumps? The young ones are not going to remember this, okay? Long lines. Remember, remember the odd and even license plates to get gas? Um, I mean, you think $4 is bad, uh, you know, for gas. Uh, let me tell you, it's, it's not like it uh, hadn't happened before. Not only that, uh, we were struggling with uh, some interest rates that went up as high as 18%. So uh, it was a very, very difficult time during those years. And we felt the brunt of that personally. Um, and so it, it, was not, it was not an easy time uh, for us. So I'm thinking, well, what do we do? You know, sometimes you just don't know what to do. Uh, I, I've never... Uh, you know, I, I tried to think about getting a refund on my tithe, uh, but I, <laughs> does that make sense? I mean, here I'm, I'm tithing, I'm, I'm believing for blessing, and here I'm going out of business. Uh, you know, refund. Uh, so I said, well, no, that's, that Jewish thinking ain't going to work there. So, uh, but, I, you know, timing is everything. And in our church, uh, our pastor, and I was sitting there, and he's telling a story about Rock Church out in um, New Jersey. And he's, he's talking about the Jimenezes, and I don't know if those names mean anything to you. But he talked about how a woman came up uh, to John Jimenez and gave him a check. And the check, she said, I'm tithing on my debt. This is how much debt I owe, and here's a tithe on my debt. And I believe God will pay off my debt. So, I mean, well, that's crazy. That's kind of like upside down. Uh, you know, you, you tithe on your income, you don't tithe on your debt. That's kind of like backwards. So, but something spoke to me inside, and I, I didn't have the money. I couldn't write a check for that. But, you know, the scripture says that God will give seed to the sower. Corinthians is very clear about it. So I thought, you know what? Uh, hey, uh, I'm going to just write an IOU. What's God going to do? Send Guido if I don't pay? Huh? <laughs> Uh, but I figure, uh, you know what? So it, I'll write an IOU, and I'm going to believe that God will give me the seed to sow. Um, and that, so the message was timely. I thought the thought was timely. I said, okay, let, let me do it. And so it was about a month after that that this nonprofit called me and said, Sandy, we, we want to give you some money. We sold off these assets, and you have helped us throughout the years and our board said that we wanted to help repay you. You've done so much for free. You've done so much uh, to help us that we felt like we just needed to, uh, to give you something. Of course, my first, uh, the IOU, I needed $38,000 like right away or we were going to be in trouble. I was going to lose credit. I had people calling me. I mean, it was not, not pretty. And so um, I said, well, how much is it? And they said, well... Um, it's a 40,000 and some change. And so it came out exactly 38,000 and the tithe on the 38,000. So here I have this check for 41 something. And it comes in and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I, I have bills to pay. I got a lot of bills here. I, I think I'm gonna pay bills. And this voice on this shoulder said, Good thinking, man. You're doing the right thing. 
pay the bills. It's the right thing to do. Keep your credit, use the money, go out to dinner, even take a little vacation. Remember your vow. Are you nuts? Don't listen to that voice. That voice is stupid, stupid, stupid. Remember your vow. Don't listen. If you, li if you open the door to listen, you'll be sorry, sorry, sorry. Remember your vow. Well, one of the hardest things to do was to give it all away. And I did. And I remembered my vow. And I remember the seed came from the sower. And I remembered those things. And within a couple years, all of the debts, over a million dollars, were paid off. Money came from places I couldn't even believe. Just like the shoes that were mentioned earlier here, people did things. They forgave debt. Things sold that couldn't sell before. Things happened. Money came from this, from here. I mean, it was just like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. All because an act of faith that broke the spirit of poverty. It became, and God said, look, uh, you know, uh, I'm giving you this. What are you going to do with it? And so we gave it away. And that put in motion something that has lasted through our entire Christian experience. I'm saying to you, you want to break that curse of poverty? You want to break that spirit of poverty? You want to break it? Then give things away. Give. Give. Become generous. Give. Give. My wife is very generous. She always gives my stuff away. But... <laughs> She has a garage sale. You know, we have a room in our house, and in that room, well, we started out with a drawer. It started out, they called it a drunk, junk drawer, and then it, it multiplied to a, dr a junk closet. Uh, then it became a room, a junk room, and my stuff kind of got relegated to the garage, and she had a garage sale, and she was so proud over all the money she made because she sold my stuff. <laughs> okay, guys, all together go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know, um, so that's one. The second thing that happened that was very real was from the scriptures. I was reading about Jericho. A friend of mine said, look, you've got to read this about this curse and about how this thing was broken. Because this was a curse that dealt with not having children. This is a curse that dealt with sickness and disease a curse that dealt with some of the uh, uh, multiplication and success of, of life. And I want you to know about this. So I thought, yeah, I think I better know about this. So I went to Joshua, and you know the Battle of Jericho. And God said, take this city. They took it. The walls came down. They marched seven times around. Uh, there was a guy that took some things that he should have taken that cost him his life and the life of his family. And so Joshua was very clear that um, he was going to listen to what God said here. And God spoke to him. And God told him to do something that surprised me that he did it. But it was profound in a way. 
And so I'm going to read it to you in Joshua, the sixth chapter, the 26th verse. It says, at that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn, this solemn oath in the 26th verse. It says, cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest, he will, get, he will set up the gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. So here's Joshua, takes a tremendous, tremendous risk listening to the Lord seven times around they marched. I can imagine, you know, on the sixth time around, their feet hurt, their legs back. I mean, they're going, oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, you know, how many more times are we going to march around this city? But on the seventh time, just as the Lord had said, bam, the walls fell down. They went in. They took the city. An amazing, an amazing act of God that spoke fear to the nations as the Israelis, as the uh, Hebrews, marched into that land. Joshua said, this city will never be rebuilt. And the person who tries is going to lose two children. One when the foundation is built, and one when the gates go on. Powerful. So let's fast forward 530 years. So we're going to fast forward now to 1 Kings the 16th chapter, the 32nd verse. In Ahab's time, and Ahab was a stinker, bad king. Bad king. What he did was he did not worship the Lord. He turned the nation to Baal worship. Bad. And his wife, Jezebel, was even worse. She was a killer. She killed the prophets of God. There were things. She was, she was bad. And he allowed the city of Jericho to be rebuilt. 530 years under a bad, godless king, he allowed the city of Jericho to be rebuilt. So in 1 Kings, the 34th verse, says, in Ahab's time, Hael rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Ibrahim, and set up its gate at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. 530 years later. But this curse took on a life of its own. It just did not cost these two kids. Nobody could bear children in Jericho. The fruit wouldn't grow. The crops didn't grow. They couldn't bear, the animals wouldn't bear their young. There was sickness throughout the land. It was, it, it took on a life of its own. And I, I think that word, sometimes word curses take on a life of their own. Things that have been spoken generationally. Who, who knows what was spoken uh, uh, in, in this state years ago? The things that happen. 
the things that happen with superstition and witch doctors and, and, and all kinds of travesties and, and slavery and all the things that took place in some of the areas of this state. We don't know. But it's definitely affected things. You know, you look at some of the education, you look at some of the things that, that uh, New Mexico's not at the top of the list. They're at the bottom. And it's, it, it, you know, how did that happen? And so here you have a curse that went out on a city, a curse that took place. It was very interesting when I looked at the, the prophets here. Elijah, very powerful prophet, his first act as the prophet, the first time you hear uh, uh, the word of the, the, the name Elijah, he's on his way to talk to Ahab, the government. And he spoke to the government, and he said, you are not doing right. This is not right. And there's going to be a famine in the land, and there's going to be a drought. I believe there's some things that happen with weather and same things that happen that we don't know what's behind it. We like to say, well, maybe they didn't uh, uh, do this or they didn't do that. But sometimes there's spiritual things that take place. So here, he goes and he speaks against the government, and that government came down. The leaders of that government ended up dying, and a new government came into place. And now you have another prophet, a prophet that wanted the anointing of Elijah. Now you have Elisha who comes on the scene. And the very first act of Elisha was he picks up the cloak that came from Elijah. Because Elijah went up, he did not die. He went up in heaven, uh, and they searched for him. They couldn't find him, but he he left the cloak on the ground, and Elisha picked up the cloak, and that's why he had the double anointing. And so his first act was he takes the cloak, and he hits the water, and he walked across on dry land. And as soon as he walks across on dry land, he's confronted with a city. Guess what city? Jericho. Here is Elisha in front of this cursed city Jericho, and they're complaining about the death in the camp. They're complaining about no children. They're complaining about the barrenness. They're complaining about sickness. They're complaining about all these things as a result of a curse. 530 years ago, they don't realize it's all connected. I'm connecting the dots for you. So now in 2 Kings... Elisha says, the men of the city said to Elijah, look, our Lord, this town is well situated, but the water and the land is unproductive. It's bad. All these things are taking place. So Elisha says, well, bring me a new bowl. And he said, put salt in it. So they brought it to him. He went out to the spring and he threw the salt in it, saying, this is what the Lord says. I've healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water remained wholesome to this day. So we heard this story. We heard some testimonies of people that 
did some crazy things. And I figure, if they can do crazy things, I can do crazy things. And you can do crazy things. So what? what? Crazy is okay. I mean, the world thinks Christian, Christians are crazy anyway. So, you know, uh, here I'm thinking might be something to the salt. You know, salt is a purifier. Salt is something that is a preservative. Salt healed the water. Salt, you know, um, maybe there's something that can release my faith in dealing with this salt. Let me give it a shot. So we go ahead, and my wife, Patty, and I, my Patty and, and I have been married 47 years, and so she can put up with this stuff with me. Um, you know, uh, she stuck with me. I'm, I mean, we're, we're an item here for a long time, you know, because especially we're coming up on 50, so uh, I'd be happy at 62. And she's just as good looking today as she was then. She's just a beautiful gal. 22 years of cancer survivor. She's a... And she doesn't put up with my crap. So I... What can I say? Anyway, and, and, and she tells me the difference between blue and black, because I can't tell the difference, right? She goes, oh, that doesn't match. You better take that off. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, you know why she did it. But anyway. So here we are. We have, we take some salt, and we, we go to our old house, because we're going to throw salt for our kids. We want our kids to be saved. Just remember, you guys, I knew you when, when you were little guys. Now that you're big guys, don't think I can't find you, okay? <laughs> and so we're, we're, sneaking, we're sneaking down the driveway. We're sneaking down the driveway. And we, and we go down right where the woods are. We're saying, I hope the people that bought our house don't call the police, right? <laughs> so we go down and we throw salt in the water. We throw salt in the water. Well, I had a daughter that couldn't have children. She wasn't able to conceive. Now she has two. We, um, uh, I had a daughter that was uh, struggling with depression because she had, uh, could not have a positive male relationship and she was just struggling over it. I saw her get healed. I had a grandson, I have a grandson that I saw give his heart at the Lord, to the Lord at an, an altar. I baptized him in water and I've had great input in his, his life. I see things that have happened. Um, could it have happened anyway? Well, maybe. But I want to tell you something. It did something to our faith. So I had an attorney that was in a building that I had that wouldn't pay rent, and he wouldn't leave, and he kept filing stuff. And you know what you have when you have an attorney up to their neck in sand? You know what you have? Not enough sand. <laughs> and, and so um, I, I go down behind my my office, and I take the salt, and I throw the salt in the little stream behind there. He was out in 30 days, and 30 days later, the place was sold. Released our faith. I don't know. This thing is getting crazy, but it's getting exciting. <laughs> I, I had somebody that, that tried to, uh, we were renting a, a place for an office, and, and there were some unscrupulous things that happened, and we went ahead and... Uh, threw salt, walked around the place and threw salt, I ended up buying the place at some ridiculously low price. There were properties I couldn't sell, threw salt, 
they sold. There's things that happen. My wife, I know, it's, it's, it's been a part of her healing and a part of uh, the continued healing from cancer, the survivorship of cancer. I know, I could go on and on. And people that I've told it to, the testimonies that they've done, how it released their faith over their businesses and their families and their bodies. How, I mean, it's just crazy. But it released faith. So here's what I want you to do. In front of you is a box. And in that box, there's salt. I want you to reach down in that box and get a handful of salt. Okay, everybody, you got it? Are you willing to do this with me? Are you crazy enough for me? Okay. <laughs> Say, oh my gosh. And the people online are thinking, what am I looking at? <laughs> you too, reach down, grab your salt. Now, first thing I want you to do is take the salt and let's just throw it over our shoulder, right? Just, oh, oh, wait a minute. You threw it in that person's eyes. They're rubbing their eyes. Get another handful, okay? You got it? Now we're going to pray right now in the powerful name of Jesus. He became a curse for us. Cursed is he who hangs on a cross. He became the curse. There's no satanic priest. There's no word curse. There's nothing that can stand beside the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit who came to glorify Jesus. Got that salt in your hand? Right now I take authority and I break every word curse, everything that's come against you your house, your business, your job, your body, your thoughts, your children, your children's children. I come against these things. Anything that's not fruitful, things that have caused barrenness, things that have broken your heart, words that have brought a pain inside of you. I come against these things. I come against loss. I come against these things in the powerful name of Jesus. I come against every high-minded thing that would exalt itself up against the knowledge of God. I break the name of cancer. I break the name of every disease that is named, every disease, each one a lash on Jesus' back. I break the power of those things in Jesus' name. I come against everything that would try to divide, try to cause disunity. For where there is agreement, there's power. And when there's disagreement, there's a lack of power. I break the things that have caused government to look in the wrong directions. I break the things that have caused people to find divisiveness that would separate them from their fellow man, believers that would separate themselves from each other. I come against the power of darkness that would rise itself up against the future that we have. I come against these things in Jesus' name. I break every power of every demon, every spirit that would try to rob, to kill, and destroy. We break its power in the powerful name of Jesus. We take authority over everything that would try to push God and his name down, and we lift God and his name up, and we raise it up. We raise it up high as a standard. We take authority over everything 
For God has given us the right to tread upon the serpents, the scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm us. We decree these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Now I want you to take that salt and throw it down. Don't be ashamed if you want to release faith to throw that salt in the front of your house, in the front of your business. It doesn't have to be kosher salt either. <laughs> I believe it. there are a lot of crazy things that were done in the Bible. A lot of crazy things. I can't believe that Jesus took mud and he put it on somebody's eyes. I mean, tried to do that in the hospital today. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. Salt's a sign of purity. It's a, it's, it's a salt that preserves. Jesus did a lot of cursing himself. He cursed the fig tree, cursed things at its roots. But this day, we rise up and we take our place, and we take authority over all those things. And if it takes throwing a little bit of salt, do it. If you're concerned, and you don't have to tell anybody, but you know what, I have hundreds and hundreds of emails from people that have done a crazy thing, that have had crazy things happen. I don't want you to be bombarded by anything that the devil can throw at you. I want you to be free. Jesus set us free. He is free. We are free. And whom he sets free is what? Free indeed. So let's stand to our feet. You got a song that can go with that? I'll take anything, a praise, any praise song. You got one? You got a mic? You got a, you don't know mic? Okay. Well, Lord, we just praise you. We worship you. You are a great God, and there's none beside you. You know, I'll tell you the thing that really blesses me. Our God is God. And no doubt about it. Our God is God. And, and I walk that way every day with my head up high and my shoulders back, knowing my God is God. And I'm going to a place that he's prepared for me. And he's done it all because years ago, a Gentile girl with nice legs took me to church. Go figure. Well, you're here today, and um, you've heard these stories. You've heard some of this craziness. Call it whatever you want, but it works. It works. I mean, I look at some of the journals that say, oh, gee, if you take a, a vitamin, uh, vitamin D3, uh, it, 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 it's, it's just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. But I want to tell you something. I take D3 and it works. And it's done something to my immune system. So, I, I mean, I'm not sure I could listen to everybody who tell me, tells me stuff doesn't work, you know. 
But if you've heard this this morning, and there's something that's kind of knocking on your door, that's saying, you know what? I need to have a little bit more relationship with Jesus. That I love a kingdom without end, and that's exactly what we live in. We live in a kingdom without end. And the king of our kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ, he ain't fooling around. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That's what the scripture tells us. So if you're here this morning and um, this has been speaking to you and, and you really don't know Jesus, let's all just pray together, okay? First of all, if, if it's speaking to you and you'd like to have a relationship with Jesus, we're all getting ready to pray and nobody's, nobody's looking around. Majority of people in this room have already made that decision and are already walking in a journey that they're really experiencing some great things. But if you're not, and you would like to, just lift your hand so I can pray for you. Just lift your hand wherever you are. Yep, see that? I see that. I see that back there, yes. Yep, I see that hand over there, over there. Yes, I see that. I see that hand over there. Yes, I see it. I see it. You know, it all starts with your words and your commitment. It started with me by saying, is it real? Is it real? We all need God for different reasons, and he needs us for one reason, to love him. So let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, come into my life, and you have the right to change it. Come into my life. It's okay to rock my world. Come into my life and show me truth. Come into my life and take it to another level. I promise you, I believe that you died for me. You rose from the dead. You sit at the right hand of God. And you've done that for me so I could have eternal life with you. Look into my soul. Look into my heart. It's yours. Do what you want. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I believe God, uh, God has just taken a hold of your life and things are going to change. He's going to take you to places that probably you can't imagine where you're going to go. But I want to take authority right now and make sure if you need a healing to make sure I don't want to get off this pulpit without making sure that while the spirit is here, that God is moving across. If you need healing, just raise your hand right where you are if you need healing. I see plenty of hands coming up. Okay, right now, and I don't care how you get healed. I don't care how it happens. The issue is get healed by the power of God and let your faith, let your faith carry you through this dimension. You shall be healed by the stripes, by the whipping, by the lashes that Jesus took on his back at a very crucial moment in his existence. So I appropriate that to you. I speak it over you. Right now, the Holy Spirit is moving. So it's just grab a hold of that. Grab a hold of that. Those diseases are just names. Jesus is the name above that name. And he is the healer. Holy Spirit does great 
wonderful, wonderful things to glorify Jesus. I spoke about poverty and money. I want to release it here. That's one thing that God uh, has given me just an insight into and has allowed me to be able to release that into the congregations that I go. To release jobs, to release better jobs, to release finances, money that will come from different places, uh, freedom from debt, uh, freedom from the fear of debt, concerns of loss gone as a result of that. If that's you, just very quickly raise your hand, very, raise your hand, put it down if you need that. Um, so, Father, right now, I speak prosperity, I speak blessing over this house. So, I, Lord, this is a house of healing, this is a house of freedom. This is a house of prosperity. This is a house of blessing because they stand for righteousness and they stand on the word of God. Lord, thank you for all these things. You are a good God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com dot com.